Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Investing made simple. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined as always by Dan. Uh, reads books a lot. Kruger. Hello. How'd I did like read that? a book. Did you like that anything? I yeah. dug deep for that one. I mean, I could tell you really scraped the bottom of the barrel. I'm not gonna lie. I am scraping through the barrel at this point. Yeah. I no longer have a barrel, I just have a hoop. Yeah. I think you're just in the dirt. I'm just in the dirt. Yeah. yeah. These these <laughs> nicknames are getting bad people. <laughs> so uh today as we always do on this day, we're going to talk about a book. We're going to talk about a book that was intriguing, maybe bring you some value, maybe save you some time so that you don't have to go read the book. So, uh, Dan, what book yes. are we doing? The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Hmm, sounds hard. By Ben Horowitz. Benjamin. It actually wasn't a tough read. He's a, it was a good book. I think it was well-written. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of good information. Uh, a lot of good stories. So this guy's had a very interesting life. So Yeah. I, I actually can't remember exactly what he did. I just know he started a bunch of companies, exited successfully. Uh, that this book is it's been it was recommended by a lot of I would say high level entrepreneurs. Like I think Harmozi, Naval mm-hmm. has recommended it. And so that kind of carries a lot of weight. And I'll be honest, uh, actually one of my business my past business business partners recommended it too. Somebody I hold in high regard. And I was just expecting a lot more, actually, from the book. That's probably why it was so hyped up. I mean, yeah. for me, it wasn't hyped up. I'm just like, oh, here's a book that's on the list. Let's read it. And I thought it was good, but I didn't come into it with any like expectations, yeah. really. So. I, I came into it with such high expectations because I hold so many of those people in high regard that when I read it, I was like, this is going to be world-changing. It's going to like fundamentally change mm-hmm. the way I look at everything. And there was things I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And some things I was like, oh, that's interesting. But none of it really hit super different. I guess yeah, that, was, that's that was interesting for me, but um, but I do think it's worth reading. I think there's some ta- some takeaways here that we'll be able to share with the listeners that will resonate. Yeah, and this is really a book for people who are uh, either trying to be or currently are a CEO or you know in charge of an organization. Right, that's really the audience that this is written for. Yeah. So if that's you, great. If not. Um, you know, maybe just do the uh, sophisticated notes and probably don't devote however many hours to reading the whole thing. Yeah, I would say if you are not an entrepreneur, business owner, person, you could tune out this episode. Um, just make sure that you drop over to iTunes real quick and leave a five star review because obviously I just you know saved it's going to be good. I just saved you some time, so you didn't <laughs> have to listen to this whole whole podcast episode. So, so you owe me. Um, but if you're an entrepreneur, I think there's some things in here that are definitely worth hearing. And um, as always, we will put these into the sophisticated investor notes, which you can download by going to InvictusMultifamily.com backslash notes. At this point, there's got to be 20 notes in there. And they're just infographics, single page breakdowns of the book so that you don't have to read the whole thing yourself. That's that's worth a lot. I'll be honest. Like I just 
if a book takes eight hours to read, you could consume one of these notes in like five seconds. Starting next week, we're going to charge an entrance fee. So you guys better go get them all now. Is that true? No. Are we? Should. I'm down. They're really valuable. All right. Starting next week, uh, it's going to be $29.99. One-time value. Or maybe we do like a three-part payment system. What do you think? Maybe just take donations. Like if you like it, you know. uh, Oh, sign up for my Patreon. My OnlyFans. (laughs) uh, Can, 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 what? Um, What are you guys laughing at? (laughs) I don't understand. I mean, that's... Invictus can have an OnlyFans, can't they? It does, actually. We have fans. It's just a bunch of nude buildings. Nude? Mm -hmm. Why are they nude? It's OnlyFans. I'm confused. I think you're doing OnlyFans wrong. (laughs) I don't have any fans yet. Are Um, you just posting these videos on OnlyFans? Yes. (laughs) It's all about distributing far and wide, right? Like trying new marketing strategies. There you go. Wait, is this why nobody... Is it because we're clothed that nobody cares? Yes. All right, listeners. We have one follower and it's... Here's the deal. If... uh, (laughs) If you want us to lose a layer, um, <laughs> go over to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know and uh, or leave a comment or wherever you're watching this. Let us know in the comments. And you know what? I got a layer I could lose. You do. You're wearing, wearing a jacket a ta- and a it's like 90 degrees outside right now. <laughs> yes. But you know why I wear this? Because it's freezing in here. Because it makes me look cool. Yeah. Sweaty but cool. Anyhow. <laughs> Stinky. Anywho. Okay, let's, let's get into this book. Let's, let's get into The it. Hard Thing About Hard Things by Benjamin Horwitz. Uh, what's your number one? What's, what's, your t- what's your first takeaway? First one on the list in no particular order. Oh, no. It's a four-page notes this time. Is okay. CEO should tell it like it is. Um, basically, he just uh, talks about how, and I can relate to this quite a bit, you tend to, as, as a leader in a company, always want to be you know positive. You always want to create a good environment. And it's I think stemming from a place where you want to create a good culture in your company. But he tells you that you need to be open and very transparent about all the struggles in your business with the entire company uh, for a few reasons. One is that people uh, need to trust you. And if you hide the issues, hide the problems, uh, the first problem is you could lose trust. Uh, Another issue is that you might actually, or not might, but you won't have all the minds engaged on trying to solve that problem. So you're doing yourself and everybody in your company into service if you just walk around with a big happy face all the time with uh, you know sunshine and rainbows when there's an issue that needs to be solved. So you need to be open and transparent about it so you can have all hands on deck and you'll get more respect for it. It's an interesting balance that you have to strike, I think, because on yeah, the one hand, down you, don't wanna, you don't want to set the alarms off and freak everybody out because especially when you're starting a company, mm-hmm. um, everybody already knows it's a fragile thing. And a lot of times people are looking, if they're, an, uh, if they're a WT employee, a lot of times they're looking for security. And once you start talking about the companies on the edge of death and all these things, well, like don't use those your, words, your concern. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your worry <laughs> as a CEO is like, Oh, they're going to leave me. So, but I do, I think there's a lot of value in sharing the, the mental load. Because then people can start looking for solutions. And if you keep it all to yeah, yourself, because you've seen this all the time where CEOs will come in on a Monday, all bright eyed, bushy tailed smiles. And like their employees think it's, it's the best thing ever. And then by lunch, everybody's been fired because they're like, oh, yeah, you didn't know we ran out of money two weeks ago. Yeah. And like the CEO just never let on. And I think that we do a pretty good job of this right now. Honestly, we'll we do our we follow the traction framework. And so we have our L10s every Monday and we'll always talk about kind of the the issues of the day and what, what we're trying to solve for and try to get all hands on deck. So, yeah. And every, every Monday it's, we need more money. Yeah. We need more money, more problems. Read. Yeah. Where are you at? Read. Cough it up. Yeah. <laughs> all right, what right. You got? Here's my, here's my first takeaway. Um, I got my phone here with my notes, so I'm not You're on, texting. I'm just not texting, but I'm, yeah, I am. 
Sometimes an organization doesn't need a solution. It just needs clarity. I think that's a really simple takeaway that um, hit really close to home, honestly. At Escape, we used to really struggle getting people rowing in the same direction. Even getting people in the same boat seemed like a struggle. And we kept coming up with like convoluted structures and systems and frameworks. And like at the end of the day, what it came down to was that we weren't being clear. This was really interesting. We sat down with some of our higher level employees at one point and we're like, why is the message not getting through? Like what's happening here? Why are we struggling so much? And I remember um, one of our, one of our our production engineer, uh, production manager, he looked at us and he's like, well, the problem is you guys, change directions every week and we're like did you well this was interesting because from me my, my partner perspective we were like no we're not we're all we've been rowing towards the same objective but we're just navigating around rocks as we go like that's what they're feeling right but people on the team didn't necessarily understand that and so what so they, they didn't f- know like the long term well the, yeah like we weren't doing a good job of connecting the short term pivot to get around those rocks with the long term objective which is like hey we're still on the same river going the same way and but they just felt the whiplash constantly and so it's like when you're the captain of the boat and you just start like turning the rudder on people and they're like what the heck is going on here like that's what we were doing unknowingly and um so once we got clear and we started articulating, okay, here's how like this pivot, like pivot coming, <laughs> pivot, uh, it's, it's incoming. So then people weren't taken aback by it. And then they were able to connect it with the goal moving forward. And like the team just became way more cohesive. We had a lot less friction and it was, it just stemmed from being more clear, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough because I think you kind of just assume that, or maybe you don't assume, but like you feel like it's so clear to you yes. that like a really kind of basic explanation should suffice but in reality it takes i think a long time and a lot of revisiting and a lot of um repetition for that to really sink in and really be understood yeah totally with um with partners in a business it's really interesting because like you and i or you know me and ryan will sit and we'll we'll talk about things a lot before we actually do the thing Mm -hmm. you know so we spent a lot of time unpacking and living with the consequences and like preparing for the thing but then when you just like foisted on the 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 people um, they're like, they haven't been in those conversations. So it's completely new and foreign. And they're like, what the heck has just happened here? Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, my next one is, uh, on the section that was talking about how to the right way to, to lay people off. Um, now I, I, this one was, was interesting to me because I realized we've never been in a situation where we, we've had to lay people off. Um, obviously there's been, uh, people over the years that haven't been a good fit and we've had to terminate people. But at least the way I interpret the way the word layoff, it's yeah. because there's some sort of budget issue. There's a, a shortfall in money and people need to go for, for that reason, mm. not because they're they're actually, um, you know, not because they're they're unwanted, but because we don't have the money to pay you. So you need to leave. I'm sorry. Did you did um, you see the guy recently on LinkedIn, the CEO, the crying CEO? Did I you see this? think so. No, read, read. So this probably a lot of our listeners saw this too. So a couple of weeks ago, this was a, a classic example of what not to do oh, in this okay. situation where he had to come in, he had to lay off a bunch of people. And then he went and took to, to LinkedIn, took a picture of himself crying, posted it, Oof. and then wrote this big, long post That's about this is the most, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. This is the most vulnerable thing I'm ever going to share. And it was all about how he had to lay off these employees and how it was all his fault. And sure, his employees would say, like, no, 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 we, we made these decisions together. We're in it together. Um, but he's like, at the end of the day, I know it was on me. And it's like, 
it was so cringy. A yeah. uh, lot of it because it's like his ugly crying face, which he took time to set up a ring light. Like you can see it reflecting in his eyes. Like somebody in the comments is so like, did you set up a camera? Like, did you take time to set up lighting yeah, to get this picture? On. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, so, so I'm sorry. Laying off is, I imagine, very, very difficult. But yeah, we yeah. never had to do and it. And that's in that the thing is, um, you know, the author talked about, I forgot who he was talking to, but um, someone in kind of the venture capital world was looking at, his company and saying, Hey, that's so crazy that you guys have gone through like three rounds of layoffs over the years. And you're still here because typically, you know, uh, you know, any one round of layoffs is, is a pretty big red flag. It's not very common. that companies really thrive after that. That's kind of tough to come back from, but he equated that, uh, the reason that they were still around to being able to do it effectively. And it's, it, it's not easy, but you know, a few of the things he said were, you know, you've got to, You've got to know who you're talking to, how to talk to them, because you've got to address the company as a whole. You've got to do it quickly. You've got to recognize that that you screwed up. Like, no, don't go post on LinkedIn for the world to see you talk about yourself and yeah. cry. No, talk to the people, and you, you've got to respect them and say, here's what's going on. We screwed up. We ran out of money. We love all of you, but because we screwed up, you know, so that this is a going concern, we've got to you know let you guys go. Um, and so he, he walked, he talked about this in more detail, but I, this was a, a takeaway for me because I, you know, I hope we don't ever have to do that. Um, I don't think we will, but if we ever did, I, I don't want to be that guy on LinkedIn crying. Uh, I want to be the, the one that actually does it effectively I'm gonna because be sometimes that's the only way to keep a, a company alive. If there's some sort of cataclysmic event, I'm going to be sitting there Facebook live in it. So you guys just wait, it's coming. But I think this. One of the really interesting things when reading this book, because I had never gone through this scenario either, but um, it makes sense why companies don't survive that layoff isn't necessarily because of the people leaving or like because the company was in financial hardship that led to the layoff. It's because it breaks the morale of the people who mm -hmm. stay, right? Like to see their friends and people that they like leave and then suddenly they're like, wait, am I next? And so you can imagine going through three rounds of that would be incredibly difficult, which ties into my... My fifth takeaway, which is that like everybody, uh, he, he says this in the book much more eloquently, but in all the business books, they always talk about how like the hardest part is like setting the big audacious goal and the hiring and like all this stuff. And he's like, no, 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 no. The hardest part is like the firing, sitting down and telling somebody like they, they no longer have a place on the team. And the, the hardest part is having employees who you know, like and trust and love becoming entitled and suddenly making outlandish requests and like navigating those scenarios. He's like, most books never talk about that stuff, much less how to go about doing those things in a humane way that keeps the team together moving in the same direction. And in my experience, um, those those are not the hardest things in the macro sense of like day in, day out, because you very seldomly, if you're doing things correctly, have to let people go. And you very seldomly, ideally, have to sit and reprimand employees like that very hopefully is very rare but it's a very acute pain when you do have to do it. And like, it is a horrible feeling to, it's like breaking up with somebody, right? Like nobody wants to be the breaker upper. It's much better at that point to try and force the other person to break up with you. Cause then, cause then at least like, you know, you can, you can go out and rebound and nobody can judge you because you're like, you're emotionally broken. So, uh, but you can't do that in business. Like you can't, yeah. you can't afford to sit around like hoping the person will break it off and leave. Cause in a very real way, their existence is jeopardizing the, the survival of the rest of the, of the team. Mm -hmm. I will say that I've, um, I, we've had to cancel people over the years that have been, you know, not a right fit, not the right fit for whatever reason. And it doesn't matter if they deserve it 
or even when somebody really deserves to not be there anymore because it's just such a bad fit and it's it's bad for them and everybody else it still sucks still really sucks yep but my next one i'm it's not actually my next one i'm going to jump to it because it's very closely related to what you just said and it was the section on uh, the most difficult uh ceo skill um like what's the toughest part and you kind of alluded to a decent amount of it there, which was you basically are always going to have to choose between like horrible. Uh, if you've got a set of options to, uh, to choose from, it's usually horrible option number two or number one, um, cataclysmic option number two, and just the worst option. Number, like they're all, it's usually all bad things you get to choose from, right? There's no like clear cut path to prosperity. You've got to make really tough decisions and it's, it's, um, it's tough. It's really emotionally tough, and it's not talked about uh, very often out there. Uh, most people don't talk about kind of the mental anguish that that, that that individual needs to go through, having to select from this you know crummy set of options all the time. And he even threw a line in there from uh, Fight Club, which was, I forgot exactly how it was phrased, but it was like the first rule of having a mental breakdown as a CEO is you don't talk about it, and the second rule is you don't talk about it, right? <laughs> and he's... He, and the, the point he was making with the section, which, which really resonated with me, was that it sucks for everybody. There is no blueprint. There's no map. There's no book you can read that's going to tell you how to effectively uh, be a CEO and lead a company. Everybody goes into it and has to do things that they don't know how to do initially. And it's really hard and it, and it sucks. And no one really talks about that. Mm -hmm. See Instagram with people posting. Everything looks great. They've got their Lambo in their garage. Everybody's got their uh, Lambo. <laughs> It's everyone, they make, they make it look great, but it's, it, it's a slugfest, right? Again, this one ties into one of my next takeaways. So I'll just like jump into it is if you are going to eat shit, don't nibble. And I was like, that's aggressive. It's aggressive, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of truth in it yeah. is like, there's a lot of job. There's a lot of parts of the job where you're going to have to do something that really sucks. Don't beat around the bush. Just get in there, get the work, get it done and move on as quickly as possible <laughs> eat the poop get your mouth wash wipe off your tears and get back to work and so I, I that's an image it's an image but it's i think it's true because there's a lot of times in this biz in this world of entrepreneurship where it's it's so hard and that's why most businesses fail it's why most people don't even venture down this and i like to talk about how everybody should build a business and invest in real estate but the reality is like most people are not cut out to really build a business like uh, it's 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 for the few and the, and the crazy. Um, and if you're one of those people, you're just going to have to accept the fact that you're not as good as you think you are or as good as you want to be. And therefore, there will be times when you're going to have to eat shit. Yeah. And so sack it up and grab your spoon. Yeah, exactly. Um, next one I got was the um, solving the accountability versus creativity paradox. And um, this one I pulled out because it really kind of boiled down to the process versus res results kind of paradox where um, it may not be entirely clear at any one time how to effectively lead your team if maybe they're doing all the right things, but the outcome is, is bad. Because on one hand, if you reward people for a crummy outcome, even when they did all the things right, the rest of the team might perceive that as you, know, you rewarding failure. On the other hand, if somebody has a great outcome, but they did the wrong things, do you reprimand them for doing the wrong things or reward them for getting the good outcome? And it's, it's not an easy question to answer, but I think you did a pretty good job of kind of breaking down how to 
evaluate that situation. And it's very nuanced. You're going to have to factor in who the person is, how long have they been there. If they're newer, maybe they get a little leeway on being off on some of their projections. If they're more senior, you've got to be a little bit more stringent. But uh, this kind of comes back to that whole morale issue of, of laying people off, right? You've got to do what's going to keep the morale um, high, but at the same time, get the results that you want. So one good way to look at things is, uh, let's say you get a crummy outcome from something that that uh, that transpired. Would you go back and do all the same things again, no, and, and knowing that outcome was going to be the same? And use an example about a software developer finding a bug and you know a, a three month delay turned in a, into a nine month delay. Yeah, that was really crummy. You could reprimand that person, or you can look and say, "Hey, we had to fix this thing. We would have never scaled without that fix." So that person needs to get rewarded. It's it's a tough thing to do as a leader, but um, having a good framework to look at it at those things through is is helpful. And I think this helps with that. Yeah. And I think that to, to be able to hold people accountable, whether that's to the success or the failure, it starts with embedding a culture that's based in the process and not the results. Mm-hmm. And that's by, oh, and I'm reading a book right now by Bill Walsh called the score takes care of itself, where it's all about this concept of like, um, rewarding the, the, the day-to-day actions, the consistency and not the, the results of the game. And because it's one thing to like talk about that, but then if you just like um, randomly reprimand or reward people retroactively for these things, but it's not an ingrained part of the culture, then people just get that whiplash again that we we're talking about before, where it's like the clarity is super important. So totally agree. Totes, totes agree uh, with Benjamin. All right, my number four is... When, when Ben would talk to like, mediocre CEOs about like why they were successful, they'd always say things around like, oh, is our brilliant strategy or is this, this particular innovation, this thing that we did differently? And when he would talk to like superior CEOs, <laughs> the thing that they would almost inevitably say is, yeah, we just didn't quit. <laughs> and so <laughs> I thought that was really interesting because a lot of the people that I know that are really, really successful, they also have a high degree of humility and like self-awareness to say like, yeah, we weren't anything special. We didn't do anything particularly better or worse in the competition. We just didn't give up. And I think just that one trait of uh, persistence will win the day in, in, the, in the majority of business scenarios where as long as you don't quit, you didn't, you haven't lost. And as long as you don't quit, you're still in the game. You still have at bats. And I think that's like the best framework because it's like in, in football, the game ends when the time ends. Right. But in tennis, the game doesn't end until somebody scores the requisite number of points. And so you could be down like a hundred to one in tennis. You can still come back and win. There is no time limit. As long as you don't quit. And as long as you keep playing the points, assuming you win those, start winning those points at a certain point before the other person gets to the end you still have a chance. And that's the thing with business. As long as you're still in the game, you have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people kind of lack that, that mentality. They like the quick fix, uh, the quick, um, satisfaction. Um, and they don't really, they can't just kind of run at something long-term, not knowing whether it's going to take a year or 50 years to get there. I think a lot of people kind of struggle with that, but it kind of ties into my next one, which was, um, a concept of lead bullets and silver bullets. And um, basically, the, the author says that you know, silver bullets are kind of like a magic solution, right? Like, um, like, a, like a sweeping, earth-shattering you know, kind of solution you find to a problem that just solve, solves everything, like a magic pill. 
And lead bullets are just tough work, like the grunt work of getting things done. And, uh, you know, he had a story where he was talking about, um, you know, someone calling him out on spending way too much time looking for silver bullets when uh, they seem to buckle down, fix their product, do the hard work. It's going to take a really long time, but there's no like quick fix magic solution uh, thing they're going to find that's going to solve it all. They just have to do all the work. And uh, I think that's true for a lot of people a lot of the time. A lot of people are running around looking for quick fixes and like that 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 one thing that's going to change everything for them, when in reality, they just need to buckle down, do the work day in and day out. It's going to take a really long time, but they just need to grind. Grind it out, baby. Boom. If I are more lead bullets. Um, and I, I actually skipped over this, um, but my last point was actually almost identical to your previous point, not this one, this previous one, but the one before that. Um, it was around building a culture that rewards, not punishes, um, people getting problems out into the open. And it reminded me a lot of Ray Dalio and their meritocracy and how it's all about uh, openly talking with candor about the things that are not, not going well. And I thought that was really interesting. I wasn't going to harp on it because you kind of touched on it, but it is interesting that it's one thing to say, hey, we're a culture that prides ourselves on like bringing problems to the top. But then if you look at the reality of like how do you treat those people and like what's the real, like, what, what actually occurs when somebody brings a problem that like sidetracks the entire operation, it's it's probably not as supportive as as most people would would hope. So just wanted to throw that one back in there because I kind of skimmed over it a little bit. But overall, those are those are ten takeaways. That's that's the hard thing about hard things. That's the whole made book. easy, made simple, oh. made quick. You're welcome. <laughs> now remember, guys and gals, if you got any value out of this, we would really love it, really appreciate it. If you leave some feedback, go leave a review. It truly helps us with the algorithm, spreading the word, helping us. Get this podcast out to more people that you think it could help. That'd be awesome. If you know somebody that would get some value out of it, give it, uh, share it with them on Facebook or Instagram, wherever you're listening to this. YouTube. YouTube. Um, and that's that's it. That's that's all. I, I don't know what else to say. Goodbye. Yeah, you can leave. And we're done. Yeah, at any point, just turn us off. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.